The Jet Spotlight, episode 34. Hey everybody, what's up? Yanni Lunga here and welcome to this 34th episode of the Jet Spotlight podcast. Thank you so much for being with me today and I'm sure you're gonna love this episode. You remember maybe from episode 12 with Steve Pelfreyman, we talked about how to build and grow an online audience for your music. We talked about the way, you know, you can build an audience and how you can grow that also using social media. I've also written an, an article about how you can grow your audience using Google Hangouts on air. So if you haven't checked it out yet, go to thejetspotla.com slash blog and you find their latest articles there and you will find this one about Hangouts. I think it's pretty interesting because there is a lot of potential behind Hangouts and are great ways to build and grow a fan base. And today we're going to talk about a way you can, number one, showcase your music to people all around the world. Number two, how you can do that without emptying your wallet. And number three, how you can actually earn some bucks, make some money by streaming your live performances and selling your merchandise during this ticketed event. Today, I welcome on the show James Wasom of Gigi. Gigi is a platform that gives musicians the opportunity of stream live their ticketed event, be it a backyard concert or a, a dance show. People in the performing arts and in the sports industry have benefit a lot from Gigi. And James is going to tell us more about how you as a musician can set up everything you need to stream your concert live, start to build an international audience and reach out people that you would have never guessed could become your fans simply because they are on the other side of the world. And the low budget options for starting to stream a concert. So no matter you know what money you have available, what equipment you have available, there's going to be something for each and every one of you. And also, if you run a music venue, you're going to benefit a lot from this because James and I also talk about how you can use this to build an audience for your venue and how you can grow the audience for your venue by streaming live ticketed events. Like always, remember that you can find the links of all the things we talk about in this episode at thejetspotlight.com slash episode 34. Without further ado, let's hear more from Jess Wasom that tell us about how to stream a concert, build an international fan base and monetize. Enjoy. Hey everybody, what's up? I'm here for another great episode and I'm really excited because this is very useful. Whether you're an artist or you're on a music venue or a festival, you get, you're going to get some good tips on a way you can make money. Maybe you remember from episode 27 with Dave Cool, we covered different ways musicians can make money. And also in episode 30, uh, 31 with Andrew Reid, we talked about crowdfunding. So a way to make money. Well, guess what? Today we're going to talk about an alternative way you can make money in a creative way because we're going to talk about 
how to host, stream, and promote an online concert. And really, we have a great guest here. He's James Wassum from Gigi, a service that allows artists to broadcast live ticketed events. And I'm really excited to have you here, James. How's it going? Great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. You know, James has been on my radar for quite some time because I read some interesting articles he wrote on some music blogs like the do-it-yourself musician blog of City Baby. And since then, I really fell in love with Gigi that, you know, I've really checked out what they're doing and it's great. So, James, could you tell the listeners a little bit about Gigi? Yeah, so uh, we started Gigi.me probably about uh, 18 months ago or so. And it was really born uh, with myself and my uh, co-founder partner. Uh, we were touring musicians. We've played uh, amateurly and professionally for a number of years. Uh, we've probably played together for 20 years in total. But, um, you know, touring around the country, it was just always really hard to monetize what we did and find fair compensation. And we wanted to find a way to do that a little bit easier, especially as traveling costs went up and things like that. So uh, we said, well, why not take the you know world of the internet and global communication and find a way to monetize it that is fair to the performing artist mm -hmm. and uh, provides access to fans around the world. And I, th I think that's really the the main thing that it was born out of was just a, a way to solve that problem in a way that felt uh, just and fair to the artist. Because so many times, I, th I think, as performing artists, we tend to uh, feel like we're taken advantage of sometimes. And um, that was really something we wanted to address. But not only that, I mean, that's kind of maybe a, a, a negative connotation. But on the positive side, uh, we really wanted to be able to engage our fans. And a lot of our experience as musicians with online tools, uh, whether it's email lists or Facebook or Twitter and things like that, even YouTube videos uh, recorded and things, is that the interaction just wasn't always as, as high a quality or as personal mm -hmm. as uh, we like and especially as musicians and, and kind of that emotional connection to our audience and of course our audience to us and what we do or, or produce um, it's really nice to have that live interaction and feedback for both sides and so we wanted to build something that allowed that to really uh, shine through and to really be uh, a valuable thing for artists but also for the fans Mm -hmm. And, the, you know, the, and the results is amazing. I mean, if you people go to gigi.me, you spell it G-I-G-E-E dot M-E, gigi.me, and you look it up, it's great. You can even sign up for free and try it out. They have also some some resources, you know, for for those that are starting out intermediate and advanced. So some of the things we're going to cover them here. And you will find the links to the things James and I talk about here. And there will be also the link to Gigi and some things related to Gigi. I like what you said, James. But, you know, the first question that I think can come up in the mind of the listeners as, as they listen to us here is, but how do you, you know, how do you stream a, a concert? Because the costs must be crazy, you know. Is, is, it, is there a way to have it on a, on a budget for those who are on a budget? 
Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's actually a really good question. It's something that um, I think as we approached this early on and then as as more and more artists are becoming familiar with streaming, um, it's a very important question to address. And so I'll talk about a couple different scenarios and and what the most common uh, scenario is and, and the costs and technical complications associated with all of them. But um, you know, so in, in today's kind of entertainment culture and, and what we have access to, it's very easy to get, uh, you know, to consume, to watch, uh, high definition, well produced content. The audio is crystal clear. The video is super sharp. Um, you know, you can go online and even see live events, uh, you know, live music events and things like that of, of, a-list artists, you know, very popular artists around the world. And they're very well produced. I mean, they're almost as good or better than than being there in person sometimes from a visual perspective. Um, and uh, it's kind of like the difference of, of say, watching a, a sporting event, a football match or something like that, where um, you know, you might be in the nosebleed section up in the grandstands, but, uh, if you're watching on TV, you've got a, a front row seat and you've got, you know, uh, close up views and everything like that to really bring you into that performance. So, um, you know, a lot of times that's people's first perspective of streaming a live concert is that I have to produce as an artist, I have to produce this amazing event that competes with, you know, uh, the best, uh, of the best out there for my fans. And, uh, while that's really cool and it's a great use of technology, it, it's also very expensive and it does take, a a very uh, skilled team of people to pull that off. And it takes some very good equipment to do it right. Um, and, you know, that that is just not available to most of the independent artists that are trying to make a living with their music That's or right. performance craft, um, you know, around the world. So we really wanted to develop something that uh, would be more accessible to that audience, both on a just a service level, but also on a budget level. And so the other the other side of that spectrum from going, you know, full, uh, you know, high produced, high quality, super, um, you know, high tech gear and production value is to go a little bit more stripped down. And uh, we've had events go on where people have done uh, just like they might do a Skype call or a, a Google Hangouts on air session or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, where it's just a webcam and a microphone. And uh, what that does is if you do that in a, an intimate performance space, let's say somebody's recording studio or a living room or even the backyard or a you know a barbecue or something like that. Um, you know, it, it creates a different type of environment for the audience watching and allows them to really uh, get into the space that the musician has created for them. And it's it's a lot different than just going to a venue and seeing being just part of the crowd and seeing this big performance space and this high produced uh, content. Uh, when an independent artist takes these tools and really makes it their own, and uh, creates this performance space it just it it adds more personality to it so the production value uh, is just fine being at a you know still an hd quality with say the video Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of webcams out there that can do 720p or 
uh, 1080p HD quality. Um, and if you do some simple lighting uh, adjustments and place the camera properly and then just take a little bit of time and, and get good audio, just like you would for a, a Skype call or a, an important phone call, uh, you can have a awesome show and your fans will really connect with it. So that's, I guess that's really the spectrum that we tend to favor uh, for a lot of the audience. We have had people do multiple camera events mm-hmm. uh, and more, you know, professional production value uh, with the service and it works just great. Uh, it creates a great event and, you know, you can have multiple camera angles, you can zoom in, zoom out and, you know, we can take uh you know, a full band of audio channels from a venue and run that straight into the computer and stream that out live. But it can work just as well if, if an artist is doing an acoustic session in their living room or recording studio and has a, a good quality room microphone set up to capture the, the natural sound and ambiance of the space and uh, a good camera with some, some soft lighting. And, uh, we've, we've found artists are, are, very successful with that and the fans really connect with it. So I, I think it really comes down to, you know, to kind of uh, shorten it up a little bit. It just comes down to the personality of the artist and what they want to provide for their fans. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, definitely. I agree with you. And obviously also, you know, their budget. So <laughs> what kind of money they have available, but in terms of, you know, obviously the whole idea behind services like Gigi is to, give access to the to the performance to people around the world so what is the the thing uh, musicians should keep in mind when using gig you know the audience point of view for example the camera obviously it's difficult to talk about this uh, on a podcast would be much easier if it was on video but could you try to give a couple of tips on you know what is the good angle that the concert should be streamed from Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. And, uh, you're right. It is, it is kind of funny to talk about it. I write about it quite a lot. We've got a lot of help files on the website, but, um, you know, to show it to really, you know, see what the difference is between good lighting and bad lighting, uh, or good camera placement and bad camera placement. Uh, it really kind of comes alive when you can show that in person or, or, uh, live in real time. And that's something I do in my live training sessions. I do free live training sessions about once a month or so, and I'll invite people to tune in and, and I'll go through the site and everything, but I'll show some tech tips and how to uh, actually set up your camera and lighting to have good uh, you know, translation to the viewers. Mm-hmm. But probably one of the biggest things, uh, there, there's two. One is getting the camera in the right place, uh, not setting it too high or too low, Uh, there's a lot of different psychology studies done on, on camera angle, and they use this in the movies, you know, in cinema, where they'll uh, do different angles and, and shoot the camera from way up high down on the subject, or they'll shoot it from up, you know, from down low up to the subject. And it, it creates this different type of emotional connection with the uh, performers. So we always suggest trying to set the camera up in that front row seat type of vantage point. Mm -hmm. So if uh, I'm a solo musician or I'm a duo or a trio uh, standing on stage or wherever, uh, what I want to do is get a nice tight shot of the performance area, not too tight. I don't want to make it claustrophobic or or too close, but uh, I want to, I want to provide enough 
ambiance in the room and capture enough of the feel of the space without making it feel like I'm standing in the back of the room. Mm -hmm. So uh, try to picture it as if you were trying to find the best seat in the house to watch this performance and then place the camera in that location. Um, the, the next thing that is equally, if not more important is to just do some very basic lighting and pay attention to, uh, mainly the backlight. So most of the shows that are, uh, a challenge visually that I see are shows where there's a very strong light behind the performers. And what that does is it completely washes out the background and it, it causes a lot of shadowing on the front of the performers. Uh, so you can't see their face or you just don't get the detail you want, uh, because there's too much light behind them. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not hard to get good lighting, but you do have to play around with it a little bit and, and try to have some nice soft lighting in front of you. And those are the two main things visually that are very simple to do, but uh, a lot of people overlook them. Yeah, James, thank you for providing so much value. You're really saying a lot of great things. And as you mentioned, you have the, the online training where people can sign up for free at gigi.me. And I will also share a couple of links to the articles you have there so that can people can find them easily. You will find everything. And you're right. I think that, you know, the lightning plays a very important role in, a, in the quality of a performance, same as the angle of the camera. And audio also <laughs> plays, a very plays a very important role because at the end of the day, that's what people want to enjoy if, we, if we're talking about musicians. And you have written about sound check. Could you give a couple of sound check tips? Yeah, so um, one thing I'll say about that is that it's funny about audio and video performances. When you do a live event, everybody a lot of times will will be infatuated with the video. That's kind of the focus. Can you do I look good? Can you see mm -hmm. me? You know, uh, but the interesting thing about live streaming events is that if the audio doesn't sound good, if it's not consistent and if it doesn't translate well, um, it doesn't matter how good the video quality is. I'm probably going to tune out if the audio is not good. And so uh, we definitely advise taking your time with the sound. Get the sound right. Do the basic things you can do with the video, and you'll have a great show. Uh, if you do it in the opposite order, if you spend too much time on your video and lighting and camera production value and then forget about the sound, none of it's going to matter at the end of the day because if I can't hear what you're doing, I'm, I'm not going to stick around because it is about the music. It's about what I can engage with uh, with my ears and what I hear that counts. So we definitely advise spending some time getting the sound right. Um, so there's a couple different things with that. Uh, with the sound check, probably the main thing is just actually doing a sound check. <laughs> there's a lot of people that try to show up to an event and try to go live without really spending some time with headphones and listening what does this sound like? And again, it doesn't have to be complicated, but it, it, you do have to take the time to do it. And probably, probably the biggest thing it, with a sound check is making sure that the levels aren't clipping, uh, that you're not overdriving the microphone or, or distorting anything. And that's what we find a lot of times, especially 
in um, band performances where there's a lot of dynamics in the sound, uh, what can happen is you might sound check a song at a quiet level and then in the middle of the live performance, uh, the levels go up, the volume is turned up and all of a sudden the microphones are starting to clip and distort. So that's probably one of the biggest, uh, you know, things to be careful of. I think when it comes to audio with live performances, again, it can run, run the range of being just a single microphone, uh, placed in the room or, multiple microphones through a mixing console and then plugged into the broadcasting computer. Uh, I, when it's plugged into a mixer, a lot of times it's great to have somebody monitoring that audio signal and making sure that all the channels are coming in right. It's, it's just like doing a live gig at, a, at any other live sound venue and making sure that it sounds good for the local audience and for the audience online. Mm-hmm. So you'd want to, you know, have a technical person that's there helping with the sound just to make sure nothing is uh, clipping or distorting. Um, but in a simple setup, which works really great for most of the folks that we host on Giggy, uh, is just using a room microphone. And it can be as simple as a USB microphone uh, you know, on a mic stand or setting on a table or, or wherever it's convenient. Uh, but a good quality, uh, USB microphone runs, um, about 100 US dollars or so. Um, and we've got some different suggestions that we have tested and really like, but, uh, we've found really great success with that. And if you put the microphone, experiment with that microphone placement, just because the mic is directly in front of you, doesn't mean that that's the best sounding location for it. So play with distance and move it uh, to the left or right or forward or back and try to get that good mix of uh, energy coming from the instruments and your vocals uh, if you sing or, uh, you know, in combination with the room acoustics. And that's, again, it's not super hard to do, but it does take a little bit of time and you want to listen to that, try to use headphones and monitor those things. Mm-hmm. No, so, sounds very, you know, sounds like a very great answer. And it's important to not only to do the sound check, but to actually test everything. Like you just said, also, when you mentioned earlier, the light, the stage lights, and it takes, it doesn't take too long just to test it and see how, how it sounds from, from a computer. Just you have to put yourself in the, in the audience shoes and see, okay, how it, does it look good? Does it sound good? And, Again, James, thank you for giving out a couple of tips. And some for artists, it's pretty e- uh, easy when on stage to engage with the audience because they can talk, they can wave, they can walk, you know, among the audience and everything. But with an online concert, it's a, a bit more difficult. Do you do you have any advice for you know how to engage with the audience of a online concert? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that's definitely one of the things as we, uh, started making this tool available to artists and we started watching some of these events and what works and what doesn't work. One of the main things that came to light was, uh, the difference in how one artist would engage their fans online and how another artist would engage their fans or not engage them as the case <laughs> might have been. Um, and, and that's really the, that's probably the biggest thing with live online gigs is to make sure you make it special for the viewing audience. The sound and video and the the fun of just 
seeing you play live online is one thing, but I'm probably not going to come back and watch you again unless I know that you're providing something that I can't really find anywhere else. Um, and it it's actually quite a bit different from doing a live show in a regular venue. Uh, we have had artists do live events from venues and kind of uh, do, you know, a simulcast, if you will. And that works really well. And I think it's a great opportunity. But there's a difference uh, between that and when an artist just does an online only event for their online fans. And to, when they do it right, what happens is they can interact with their fans or fans can get on instant chat and chat with them through through the viewing platform and uh, the artist can respond live in real time. There can be some dialogue back and forth. And some of our favorite shows are actually the small uh, broadcasts where there's a small online audience uh, or not a small on. It could be as big as you want, but an online audience with a small or intimate live audience uh, at the broadcast location. So, uh, one of our favorite shows was actually a, a guy that put on a concert in his backyard and he invited 15 friends over to watch him play. And then he had about uh, 40 or 50 people purchase tickets and tune in from around the world uh, to watch him play. And, and you could tell that it was a very fun and, and festive yet intimate and kind of a personal atmosphere. And that's probably uh, the best way to talk about engaging your audience with online events uh, be personal be real and and at the end of the day it's really about having fun and letting your audience in on that i love it and it it's nice that you bring also you know real life examples so that the listeners who are listening to us right now and they're thinking about trying to stream their own geek they can they can test it out because i also think that it's really about testing and i think also the time difference and plays an important role because depending on the, you know, on the audience you want to target, even if you are playing in the States, but you want to target people in Europe, that's something that you have to keep in mind. And another thing to keep in mind is the price of the tickets, because that's something that also influences the decision of people whether to go or not to go to a concert also offline. So what do you think it's a good way of pricing a ticket for an online concert? Yeah, I think uh, that's a great question. And uh, one of the stances that we've taken at Giggy is that uh, we have a minimum ticket price and we do allow multiple currencies. We do allow uh, euros and uh, uh, British pound sterling and uh, US dollars, of course. So uh, we allow some segmentation there, but our minimum Ticket price is uh, $3 or 3 euro. And um, the reason why we do that is, is one, uh, we feel like, you know, what you do has value. And so, of course, we want to make sure you're compensated fairly. Um, you know, playing for less than that oftentimes feels like you're, um, you know, a troubadour on the street, maybe, and <laughs> playing for tips. So we definitely try to, to bring that philosophy into the ticketing process. Um, and also uh, part of what we do at Giggy is we cover all of the payment processing fees. So by the time all the credit card or PayPal transactions are processed, we want to make sure that there's money left over for you to get your fair 
compensation. So that's that's why there's a three dollar minimum with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as the average ticket price goes, uh, we, it really runs the range. We've had plenty of events at the minimum of three dollars, uh, but we've also had events that are upwards of twenty five or even thirty five or fifty dollars. And uh, probably the most successful events have been between five and twelve dollars. Uh, and what that does is it, uh, you know, it really depends on what you're providing for that experience. But it it translates into a higher value. So if you have a ticket price at say five or eight dollars, um, it's it's not just a you know cheap commodity of a performance. You know you're you're almost giving it away. It's it's something that has inherent value for your viewers, and I, I think that's a important thing to take to heart and really go with. So we we find that you know most events uh, tend to be in the five, six, seven, eight or even $12 range. And if it's an exclusive event where uh, you're doing question and answer, uh, sometimes you can charge a higher ticket price for that. Or if you have a very special guest um, and it's a very limited edition type of thing, you really, we give you the opportunity to promote it however you like and charge your ticket price according to that demand. Mm-hmm. That's that sounds great, and I'm I'm sure that you know people that are listening, many of them are already taking notes and or already maybe have signed up to for for free to to Gigi. And I think that hearing us talking about this can also you know give some ideas also to people that run music venues and thinking about some, for example, in the jazz field, there are already some jazz clubs that are starting to stream their the concerts some for free, some like with an admission ticket. And I think it's something that is probably going to pick up more in the future. And for artists, obviously, it's a great opportunity to build and grow a fan base around the world and also to make some extra money or to get more money for their performances. And speaking of a way musicians can make money through an online concert, you guys at Gigi also... uh, talk about how to create a merchant store for artists. Would you like to tell us a couple of things, you know, on how, why artists should have a merchant store and what do you think are the essentials item that they should have? Sure. Uh, yeah, the, the main reason we provided a merchant store with the service was uh, so that the fans, the audience could have quick and easy access to whatever the artist wanted to make available for sale. Uh, when you go perform at a venue or, or a festival or wherever, uh, you're always bringing your merch, your CDs and, and T-shirts and other things with you. So why not make that available conveniently to the same viewing audience online? And so we created a very simple store and uh, it allows you to uh, you know, put in CDs or hats, T-shirts, uh, whatever type of merch you may have and be able to sell those easily. And the same concept applied to how we deployed the store as we did with the streaming side is that, uh, you know, it's based on a very simple percentage. There are no upfront fees. There are no uh, hidden costs to doing this. It's simply posting your stuff online. And when somebody purchases it, uh, you know, you get 90% of those proceeds. 
uh, with the 10% that Giggy keeps. We pay the payment processing fees for you and manage the store database and all the other email uh, database issues we need to take care of for you. So um, it, it's a very easy solution when compared to some of these other uh, online stores where maybe you have to sell a certain amount of product every year or you have to pay an annual fee whether you use it or not. And so we wanted to provide a simple alternative. Um, there's plenty of other great stores out there, and we certainly don't mind if you're sending folks to those stores if you've already got something that you really like in place. But if you want to make something available at the online event, uh, it's very easy to set up a Giggy store. And I think probably uh, the items that probably sell the best are, of course, CDs, but um, also, you know, shirts and things like that, unique clothing or stickers. Um, that can be kind of a nice little perk that the audience might not be able to get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So sounds sounds like a like a great advice, like T-shirts and also stickers, because that's something we talked about on episode 27 uh, with Dave Cool when we talked about the different ways musicians can make money and merchandise was an aspect of that. And he also emphasized the importance of also having uh, smaller things like stickers or pins that those are very popular, especially among young audience that still would like to have uh, a memorabilia souvenir from from the concert so in this case from the online concert and as i as i mentioned earlier in the you know this uh, streaming online concerts is tom is something that is slowly uh, picking up among among venues and would you have something to say to music venue owners that are listening to us about uh, how to stream a, a concert or a series of concerts Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's definitely one of the things that's been coming up more and more uh, as we've seen artists adopt the streaming platform and even certain venues. Uh, we've seen kind of two different sides of that uh, as far as uh, how venues approach it. And some venues are, are very happy to adopt it and make it available. Uh, some people, uh, some venues even make it available for free kind of as a promotional element. And other venues uh, take a very um, stern approach to it, I guess, where it's it's very standoffish um, and it's it's tough to figure out the 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 value in providing free live streaming or even paid live streaming when as a venue, your job is to get people in the door and, um, you know, supporting the artists, of course, but also buying food or buying drinks or you know, just just filling the room and making it a great experience for everyone. And uh, what we've found with live streaming events is that they do not take away from the local audience. They don't take away from attendance at the venue. Mm-hmm. A lot of times these venues are, um, you know, maybe a jazz club is a little bit uh, smaller, can only fit 100 to, you know, 200, 300 people, depending on the size of the room. And um, a lot of people that are tuning in are tuning in for the specific artist. But what the live streaming does is it allows the club to kind of make a name for themselves. And, and it's it's a promotional tool for that venue. And it's one of those things that if I'm let's say I'm broadcasting from a jazz club in Helsinki or New York or wherever, uh, if I'm watching a performance as a fan that's broadcast from one of those events and I get kind of the, the ambiance and the, the feel of that venue, 
guess what venue I'm going to go to next time I'm in town. Exactly. I'm going to go to your venue to watch a live show in person. And that's really the advantage of getting your events streamed live online is, is you create value for the artist, uh, by, by getting their, uh, music out to a broader audience. You create value for your patrons that may be traveling out of town and can't make the live event. They can still buy a ticket to the live show. And it also is a promotion tool for all the other fans out there that would watch and otherwise be unable to attend in the first place, but then have a motivation if they're in town next time, they're coming to your venue because they know you. So I, I think it's really important as a venue to assess um, how that would work for you and, and really be open-minded about approaching live streaming because it is something that more and more people are getting into. And I think it's going to be uh, important to, to uh, take action on in the near future. Love it. Love it. I totally agree with you that I think I really think that a streaming concerts uh, should be thought of as a tool for building and growing an audience. Also, obviously, to to monetize, but especially, like you said, for venues in particular, how you know to grow an audience. And this is something that it's relatively easy to do with services like Gigi, where you can sign up for free at gigi.me. Thank you for being with James and I today here. And After listening to this, make sure to go at gigi.me and sign up for free and, and see what they have to offer because it's a great service and I'm sure that it's going to provide you with plenty of value. James, thank you so much for being here on the Jet Spotlight podcast and for telling a couple of things about how to host, stream and promote an online concept. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I, I appreciate the opportunity. It's great to speak with you and uh, some great questions uh, that hopefully the answers can benefit the audience here. I'm definitely sure that your answers will benefit a lot of people. Thank you again, James. You're welcome. Hey, everybody, we are back. James, if you're listening to this episode, thank you so very much for being on the show and providing so much value. I really appreciate you taking the time for being with us and sharing some tips that I'm sure are going to benefit a lot of people. So now, guys, you've heard James and I, you've heard the tips, you've heard some recommendations, what you can do and how you can start streaming your concerts live, build a worthwhile audience and also make money while doing the thing you love. I want to give you a short preview about Thursday's episode, episode 35, because it's another great episode where we go into the world of branding and more specifically, personality based branding we're going to learn more about from someone whose bread and butter is actually branding and personality-based branding, someone who works closely with creative professionals and musicians. So I can't wait to bring that episode for you. Like always, remember that you can find the Jet Spotlight podcast on the website at thejetspotlight.com slash podcast, where you can also submit a question for the guest of the podcast. So every now and then I'll, I'll tweet out the upcoming guests and you, you can record your question there and submit it, hear it live on the podcast and hear the guests answering your question. If you are using iTunes and you would like to subscribe to the podcast, no problem. You can do that if you go to thejetspotlight.com slash show. And in case you're a Stitcher user or a SoundCloud user or a YouTube user, 
I got you covered because the Jet Spotlight podcast is also available on Stitcher at thejetspotlight.com slash Stitcher on SoundCloud and YouTube. So choose the platform of your choice. Listen to the more great guests that are coming on the Jet Spotlight podcast and keep up doing the great things you are doing. I'm Yanni Lunga and this is the Jet Spotlight podcast. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.